Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. Hey, it's Dune here. I'm recording this quick message to let you know that over the next few weeks, we'll be playing some of our favorite episodes from the past year while I spend some time with my best friends and family back in my other home, London. If you missed these episodes the first time around, they are so good and packed with so much value. I know you're going to love them just as much as I did recording them. See you soon. Bye. This is Kaylin Marcotte for Female Startup Club. Hello, welcome back to the show. If you're new here, hi, I'm Dune, your host and hype girl in business. Every week, we learn from seven, eight, and nine-figure female founders to understand their blueprint in business when it comes to money, marketing, and mistakes. Women like Kaylin Marcotte, the founder of Jiggy Puzzles. And if you've been around FSC since the very early days, circa beginning of 2020, You might actually remember our first interview together. It's number 10 if you want to go back and check out Kaylin's story at the very beginning of her journey as we were chatting when she was only a few months into building Jiggy. And it was actually also the beginning of my journey with building Female Startup Club, also only a few months in. So today we're getting up to speed on what's happened in her world since then, and we deep dive into the power of her business model when it comes to collaborations with female artists strategic partnerships with corporate clients, and how she managed to get on Oprah's list of favorite things. And while I've got you here, if you're a founder yourself or you're just getting started with putting together your ideas to launch a business slash side hustle, something I've come across that's a problem for every founder at every stage is capital. Every entrepreneur or future founder that I speak to, myself included, struggles with the money piece. We all need more money. So we've put together a comprehensive list of every grant and accelerator that's live right now, and we're keeping it updated weekly. And there's some really good ones that are closing in a couple of weeks' time that you should totally jump onto and apply. To access the document for free, go to femalestartupclub.com forward slash grants, 
to get your copy. Alrighty, let's jump into today's episode. This is Kaylin for Female Startup Club. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Kaylin, hi, welcome back to the Female Startup Club Podcast. Hi, I'm so happy to be back and yeah, talking years later. It's great to be here again. I know. It's so great to be here again. For anyone listening, we had our first interview ever, which was back in early 2020. It was episode number 10 for me. So it was like seriously early days, but you had actually just launched your business the November before. So It's kind of wild because in those years, I've watched from afar the success that you've had and the growth that you've had and all these exciting things happening. And and then on our side, we're at the 500-ish mark. It's been a journey for both of us. And I'm so excited to be back doing part two. (laughs) I'm excited to hear what's been going on. I know. I love it. It's been so fun to watch you as well. Um, And just kind of, yeah, cheerleading from afar and um, I'm excited to dive back in. Thank you so much for saying that. I feel like I want to explore kind of, there's two ways that we could go about this, but I want to 
I think the best thing to do is anyone who's listening should go back to the very first episode and kind of hear that early story and the why you started and the how you started. And today we could pick up from where we kind of left off in that early 2020 mark, Mm -hmm. um, talk about what's happened since then, maybe cover some highs and some lows, and then get into a deeper dive discussion around collabs and partnerships and what's been going on. Cool. That sounds great. Let's let's rewind to early <laughs> 2020 pandemics hit. You're like in the early days. What was going on? Oh my gosh. It was wild. Yeah, wild time. So, you know, I had been thinking about this idea for for years at that point. And so finally you know, left my job and and started really working on JV and launched November of 2019. And you know, some of the, some of the trends I was already seeing happen that gave me the conviction to even start around, you know, unplugging, um, from technology and kind of wanting to get away from screen self-care mindfulness and this, this appetite for like analog activity. So those were already happening, but then, you know, add in everybody in the world being stuck at home for a puzzle company, you know, it, it honestly just kind of threw me into this tailspin in some great ways and in some really challenging ways. And it's just been like a sprint really, you know, we're, we're catching our, our breath now, but those next probably two years, um, were really just, uh, just, yeah, kind of a daze. Um, but you know, back to the beginning of 2020. So we launched November, 2019 and went right into holiday season. So I knew there'd be, you know, some seasonality. A lot of people have great fond memories or traditions around puzzling, you know, together with their families during the holidays. Um, so that was kind of our first, marketing around the holiday season for 2019. And then we had only done one production run to that point. So, um, you know, we, we had our vendors, we had our supply chain, but we really only, you know, um, kind of trouble shot it once. And so how many units did you have? We had the, the initial order was 10,000 units. But I split it up. So I, you know, basically part of the negotiation with the factory was that was their minimum, minimum, minimum. They would not like accept my business for less than that. But I was like, all right, so what if I pay for like the raw materials of that amount? But I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just starting out. We're going like cold start. I don't think I need that many, you know, in our warehouse. And actually at that point in my living room was where I was shipping from. Uh, so, you know, I took delivery on the first, let's say couple thousand. And so I still had a, an allocation from that initial, you know, run quantity. Um, so as soon as we saw like the writing on the wall and going into the new year anyway, you know, we did have some marketing planned around, um, you know, dry January and an activity to do when you're, when you're sober over the weekend and, you know, Valentine's day, like date night, you know, have a date night in. And so we were already starting to sell through that. So I ordered the next batch and then, you know, that mid March, um, weekend when you know, I was in New York. So, so it was fairly early that it was just full shutdown. Um, you know, everyone at home and we saw immediate, um, you know, overnight people looking for activities, you know, 
like media outlets writing about what to do and, and puzzles kind of coming to the forefront. So immediately ordered all the rest in and, um, and had already gotten out of my living room and had a warehouse that could fulfill much more quickly. But yeah, we, we immediately went into um, restocking because did end up selling out of that first full run. And so um, I kind of saw, you know, even with, even with placing as quickly as I could, we were going to be sold out for about two months. And so, mm, you know, key I'm, like, time. I'm a six month old company. Yeah. Like I'm so early. I'm, um, I'm a six month old brand and it's like the demand is now like I'm, I'm, I, I'm missing the moment, you know, I'm missing this window of opportunity. Um, and so we did a couple things then, um, which I think people can, can take some inspiration from. So the first, of course, everyone, you know, was moving to gift cards and like how else you can support these small businesses, even if they are sold out. So we did a fun spin on, on our gift cards where we made them puzzles. So it was a, a mini 24 piece, like postcard size puzzle. And so on the back of it was where we wrote the redemption code. So you'd get it in the mail, just in an envelope. And then you'd have to put it together, you know, to redeem it um, once we were back in stock. So that was kind of just an added layer of fun, fun little surprise and delight um, for people. But then really um, what I, you know, I was just trying to troubleshoot. Can we source them elsewhere? Can we, um, can we change the packaging to, to at least have something available for sale? And so what I was able to get, you know, just off the shelf were blank white puzzles. And so, you know, it's a puzzle, but there's nothing printed on it. And um, so it's kind of this, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, like aha moment where I was like, well, my whole thing is I have this community of artists. And so I got these blank white puzzles and I, you know, I live in New York and don't have a car. So I rented a zip car, you know, fully masked and, and, uh, and gloves and everything. And I drove around to our New York based artists and dropped off these blank white puzzles and they hand drew and hand painted on them and, you know, essentially created these one of a kind original pieces of artwork on a puzzle. Um, and so we hosted an auction for them and raised money and it was split between the artist and COVID fundraising efforts for New York City. And so it was a really special campaign that ended up you know, getting, getting media coverage and, and actually being not just a quick temporary fix, but, um, but actually a really special moment for the brand. So that was kind of our, our first, um, six months of COVID was trying to restart quickly, scrambling, you know, doing our original hand-painted campaign, um, and trying to just kind of meet the moment, waitlist, gift cards, and, and stay as relevant as we could while being sold out. It's interesting because I feel like for you, you were really leaning into at that stage, the bootstrapped founder, everything was kind of the word of mouth, like you every day hitting the the internet pavement, trying to get your story out there. But actually what's come out of that is how you've kind of, you've really went for that grassroots approach and that inherently built that word of mouth marketing moment for you, which it seems like such an obvious thing, but I feel like it's actually often forgotten. People shouldn't be turning straight to launching paid media ads or, or, you know, blowing thousands of dollars to 
get things happening, you should be organically trying to find these ways to reach your target audience through innovative campaigns and through kind of just getting your story out there, which is exactly what you did. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, just especially from my experience at the startup before, the scam that I was at before Jiggy, you know, we took a very kind of grassroots and community-driven approach as well. And so I think um, in some ways it just felt so organic and, and just much more authentic of a way to build a brand to me. But also, you know, strategically, um, I think it it's just so much, you know, it's a longer play, but I think it's what actually makes a business like defensible, especially if you have a product that can be knocked off and, you know, and, and competitors will pop up. I think, um, I think ultimately it's what makes you stand out, what gives you, you know, longer legs and gives longevity to the idea, um, and what makes it a more defensible business. So, um, both kind of just from my, my core, what I had experienced already and what I was comfortable with and felt more authentic, but then, um, also certainly I think it's in the best interest of the brand too. And it is so easy. I think there was certainly, you know, a period of time where like everything was a, you know, D to C Facebook ad machine, just, you know, come up with some product, even drop ship a product from, you know, don't even make it yourself, pump money into ads. And like, there you go. You have, you know, you have your, your e-commerce business. Um, and I think that model, uh, you know, just kind of ran its course and it is a bit tired. I think consumers do want to know what's behind it. And, you know, if you're really just selling a product, buying ads and paying for acquisition, a moment when you're sold out or there, you know, something goes wrong, like there's not that much back to fall back on. Um, so I think when you, when you approach it from a bigger, from a why, you know, what is the why um, behind the brand, then um, it was, you have, you know, coming up with hand painted one, like it was because we had this community of artists and this mission around it, like it was, um, that's what allowed, you know, being able to meet the moment in an authentic way um, versus, versus I think just, you know, having a product that you push out. Quick win. Exactly. I feel like from that moment for the blank kind of puzzle with New York artists moment, that must have been a guiding moment as well, where you were like, okay, this actually works. This is something that we can build into our strategy ongoing. What was your approach from then on with collaborations and partnerships, whether it was strategic or whether it was the female artists that you were working with? What was your kind of guiding strategy moving forward? Yeah, it definitely kind of proved this hypothesis that, um, people, you know, would see puzzles as art. And I think that was, you know, the premise in the beginning was, okay, puzzles, there's this product. I think it can be a more fun experience um, and, you know, be differentiated if it's not just cheesy stock photography, but it's actually beautiful pieces of art. Um, So let's start there. And then, you know, really having, you know, we auctioned these and they went for, three, 400 to like 4,000, $4,500 was the highest, you know, so someone paying over $4,000 for, you know, yes, an original, a hand, hand on original on a puzzle and really 
that was kind of a proof of concept, if you will, that this idea of puzzles being the vehicle, but for a piece of art, um, had traction and, and that there was interest there. So from there, you know, definitely saw this concept of, of collaborations and more kind of limited runs, um, as, as having a lot of potential. So working with, um, both larger artists, you have an artist, um, partner who, she um, you know, has a couple million Instagram followers and just shares um, shares her art there and does drops of her prints and stuff. And so we do a rotating collection um, with her that's, that's swapped out um, on a seasonal basis. And then working with brands too, especially brands with, you know, really strong visual identities and really, you know, fun in-house creative and assets. And so that's been a great part of growing and and just, you know, getting in front of like-minded audiences through those partnerships has been a great growth channel. Yeah, absolutely. It's genius on all levels. Like you're reaching their audience, you're coming with new exciting things for your audience. It's a really PR worthy moment. It's kind of like the dream business model, in so many ways. Totally. I think get fresh product, which you're, you know, you're always trying to, um, to launch new SKUs and just keep it interesting and, and dynamic for your existing, you know, um, customers and then getting in front of new customers in a way that, um, that feels, you know, that feels like a, like a fun original idea and not, um, not too heavy handed or, or, uh, or too, uh, kind of forced down their throat. So to have, we've done, you know, really fun, um, like a, like a non-alcoholic drink. And and so really fun scenes of, you know, a puzzle party um, with the beverage and um, even Winky Lux. My friend Natalie runs a cosmetics brand, Winky Lux, which, you know, was blown up and is in Target and Sephora and all over. And they have really strong, prints like packaging prints they're known kind of iconic prints on all of their packaging and so doing something that recognizable for their customers um on a puzzle was really fun um and then you know even really making it more of a um almost a marketing vehicle for the partner as well so for example we worked with the music artist Casey Musgraves who was releasing her new album. And so along with, you know, the the vinyl and stuff for the album, we put the cover art onto a puzzle and she sold that alongside the album release. So it's one, not only a way to just, you know, add another product, like monetize the audience more, but to have it be much more interactive and, you know, people would get a QR code leading to the album and a message from her on the puzzle. So, you know, to be listening to her music while, while piecing this puzzle together and then get, um, get a fun, like multimedia uh, experience was, was something totally new to her fan base. Um, And so using, using puzzles as an engagement tool and, you know, the fact that, yeah, maybe they could have bought a poster and put it up on the wall, but um, you know, people spend eight, 10 hours doing a puzzle, like the, you know, the, the time, um, of engagement on really just like an advertising, you know, people wait 
tens of thousands, millions of dollars for 30 seconds of a customer's attention, 10 seconds maybe. Um, and so the fact that, you know, partners can put their branded imagery on a puzzle and people would spend 10 hours with it, you know, was a real kind of value add for them as well. So definitely a win-win that we, you know, plan to continue and has become really core to the business. And for something like that, when it's kind of like a a brand a branded partnership that could have also been a white label moment, but you've leaned more into the collaboration side of it. How does the actual, like, how does that work in terms of the model for, for numbers? Like, is it like a commission or they pay up front or what's the back end of that? Typically we do a, yeah, like a royalty split. So um, because we are, you know, a lot of much bigger players is it's essentially licensing, you know, they would, um, you know, Disney or something would be looking at licensing out their characters and everything. But since we've really tried to approach it as, as, you know, people who are aligned with our audience that we can create a real, you know, win-win moment for, and the fact that we're still small, you know, self-funded bootstrapping business, We've just by necessity done most of our deals on the like the back end of sales. So it's essentially a rev share um, that we split on the back end, depending on the party. You know, if it's an, an artist and a partner and jiggy, then we'll do like a three-way split. Um, so figuring that out. And there are some partners who I totally understand bring a lot of value themselves and are looking for like a minimum guarantee. So you can factor that in if um, if there's, you know, you want a little more, uh, security with a minimum guarantee on their end. Um, so I think it's, it's getting creative and, and ultimately of course, finding what works for you, but a rev share has, has definitely, um, worked for us and, and been, you know, most partners have been open to that. And when it comes to the, like the artists and even the brand partners too, are you going out and actively pitching them or are they coming to you or what's the process of, of finding the artist and then kind of that approach moment and getting them on board? Definitely both. And, and in the beginning, it was certainly much more outbound on my side. Um, you know, on the artist side, going to fair art fairs and shows and galleries and, you know, diving into these like illustrator communities online and go, oh, yeah, so fun. And still is probably the most fun part of, of my day to day. Um, so yeah, it started with me curating and, and going out to them and sharing this idea and what we were working on since we've launched and been live and, um, and certainly, you know, big press moments, anything that really kind of puts the brand on the map, we start getting a lot of inbound as well. And so we have essentially like an open submission um, process. And so artists can submit their work, you know, tell us a bit about them. Um, and then when we're making selections, we, we go through those. So I'd say it's pretty 50-50 at this point between um, partners I find and then our inbound submissions. And then we have done open calls for art and, um, and we actually did a community driven selection process where we did an open call for art. We had 500 artists submit their work and then our community, you know, our customers, our puzzlers, um, voted on which ones they wanted to do next. And so 
um, six winners were, were ultimately what we made for our next collection. Um, so like fun oh, activations that. like that. Yeah. have been, um, have been great. And then on the partnership side, also I'd say pretty, you know, even, evenly split, um, but always, you know, looking, connecting with like-minded brands and networking with other founders. And a lot of that has led to opportunities as well. Oh my gosh. I love that. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I feel like... It comes across that you really lean into customer feedback when you're kind of developing new product or developing new ideas. And and something that I came across was really that community choice moment that you just spoke of. Are there any other examples of things like that where you really loop in the community for their feedback? Yeah, we've had a few. Actually, last year we had two product launches, three even, um, that were very community-driven 
And um, so first was our frame pairings, because of course we include puzzle glue with each one. Um, and so, you know, the, the whole concept is these puzzles are pieces of art and you can display them afterwards. So we have been including the puzzle glue and then started getting a lot of, you know, questions around framing suggestions. And we made the puzzles match standard frame sizes so that it would be easier to source. But we ended up, you know, asking like, would you, you know, would you want to just get it all in one? Would you want to bundle it? Pick your puzzle, pick your frame, you know, easy, easy gifting, easy bundling. Um, and that was, was definitely very positive feedback. So we developed our Jiggy frame pairings. And then we also, you know, started getting a lot of, uh, the pieces are a bit too small for my kid and I want to make it a whole family, you know, affair and activity. And a lot of the benefits of puzzles, um, really can be for early childhood development and for, for adults, it's a lot of, um, improved memory and sleep and just kind of overall brain health and stimulation, um, reduce stress and, and even studies using them. PTSD patients and, and grief communities. Um, and for kids, it's a lot of fine motor skills and like spatial recognition and shape and pattern matching. And uh, and even I talked to this pediatric OT, occupational therapist, and she's saying even especially now with like social media and, and um, you know, YouTube and everything, just like persistence, like with our attention spans, she uses puzzles with her kids to just teach like sticking with a task and, um, and delayed gratification. And, you know, there aren't really in many ways to like cut quarters, uh, with a puzzle. And so just that skill, that, that, um, that muscle of just persistence and then, you know, getting delayed gratification at the end. So we ended up developing Jiggy Jr., which is our kids line of puzzles, same model where each of the designs is by a female artist. Um, who we do profit sharing with, but, you know, bigger piece sizes instead of glue, adhesive sheets, so a little more kid-friendly. Um, so we launched Jiggy Jr. off of that. And then lastly, we are kind of piloting a new model called Jiggy Studio, where the feedback and the conversation we were having with both our communities, our artist community, you know, we just started getting so much interest in so many artists who wanted to turn their artwork into puzzles, but our, our model of releasing six at a time and these very curated collections just didn't allow us, you know, to work with that many. Um, and then on the customer side, you know, there, we just started getting, you know, could we, could you do more photography or could you do more um, watercolor or, cartoon or anime or whatever it was. They just wanted more styles because we had a, you know, a pretty specific kind of aesthetic for what we were curating for the collections. So on the artist side, there were 10 more artists wanting to work together. And then on the customer side, they were looking for more options and kind of different, um, different styles, especially when they were thinking of it as art and what they want to hang. And so um, last, just a few months ago in October, we, um, started experimenting with what we call Jiggy Studio, which is where artists can come on, create a profile. You know, we still review their art and approve it, but essentially it's, you know, more of a marketplace. So it's a platform where they come on, create their profile, upload their work, and then um, customers can shop. And, you know, when an order is placed, we, of course, we make the puzzle. It's, you know, Jiggy quality in our packaging, everything you'd expect from us. 
Um, but it's much more of a, you know, not quite an, a, an Etsy or, or Teespring, but more of a, a platform marketplace. Yeah. And, and it's print on demand, right? So exactly. no waste. Uh-huh. Everyone can kind of get what they want, but without kind of having a million thousand SKUs on your end. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. I'm really excited about that one. And, and how's that been going? Like since, since it launched? So far, so good. We have 40 artists live who've kind of gone through, you know, just operationally. We've also just been testing how it works, you know, onboarding them, making sure that they're set up, you know, because a lot of them do do a lot of their own marketing or have their own site currently where they sell prints and originals and want to plug into their site. So we've had a lot of kind of on our back end of um, plugging into their existing, you know, points of sale. Um, ironing out the whole print on demand. How quickly can we get those orders out? What's the turnaround time? But it's been great. We have have 40 artists live, you know, they each have three plus. So we have like a hundred, 150 designs. Um, So before where we were releasing six at a time, you know, to be able to to kind of overnight have a hundred new pieces of art was really exciting for us to, to be able to offer that. And for customers, I mean, they puzzles are addicting, right? And we really do want to lean into this kind of habit and and ritual where it's not just a one-time, you know, toy or game, but it's really um, this practice that you do to disconnect, to get away from the screens, to take some some time for yourself and be, you know, be more present and mindful. And so um, we see very strong repeat rates. And so to have um, to have that amount of new designs to offer just really helps when, you know, we have our puzzle club, they're puzzling with us every month. So, so always looking for, for new designs. Um, so it's been great so far. And is that a custom piece of tech that you've built on the side or what's the like back end of that? No, scrappy, scrappy, small team. We run on Shopify and we've just kind of packed together. There are some apps and plugins we use um, for different functionality that Shopify didn't offer, but no, essentially it's just an addition to, to our site, but set up, set up differently. You know, it comes from the, the print on demand is a different um, production and fulfillment partner. And so um, the, the backend ops is different, but the customer facing experience is still, you know, on our jpuzzles.com and kind of same, same shopping and checkout that they would expect. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'd love to switch gears a little bit and talk about the money piece of your story for the last couple of years. In the beginning, you were bootstrapped. I don't know where you are now. I know you've been on Shark Tank. So I feel mm-hmm. like I'd love to sit in this space for a bit and understand how you were approaching working capital to this. And then if you've raised or what that approach to fundraising is? Yeah, that's been a really interesting part of the journey for me, just, you know, going in kind of blind, didn't have, you know, had friends in VC and stuff, but personally, um, not, not a ton of experience on running a business on the financial side. And so, um, started out just fully self-funded and, and actually, you know, three years in have remained that way. So, decided there was one point in time decided, you know, should I raise now? Is this the right time to bring on a partner and, um, and did go on Shark Tank. And ultimately, you know, I think because we are doing, trying to do things differently and I was really 
wanted to make sure that we could continue growing in an authentic way and make sure that, you know, we do profit sharing with our artists. And, you know, I think a lot of investors would be looking for, you know, ways to save on the bottom line that wasn't really aligned with, um, with what we were trying to do. And so ultimately decided to continue bootstrapping. So we run on cash flow. Um, there are definitely pros and cons to that and huge challenges to that, especially when you have some seasonality in your business. So we have a couple other, you know, some of the collabs and some of our more B2B. So, you know, doing custom puzzles for, for corporate gifting, we'll have, you know, big tech company, you know, doing an employee conference or everyone's working from home. They want to do an employee engagement activity, but everyone's at home. So we've made custom puzzles for partners like that. So that helps um, kind of even out some of the the seasonality of the year. But um, yeah, I mean, anyone, I'll tell you when you have, you know, most of your revenue coming in Q4, to make those dollars last, you know, for, for the rest of the year, for three fourths of the year, um, can definitely be a challenge and just have to be so, so mindful of what costs you're taking on. And so, um, for our third episode check-in, I can keep you posted (laughs) because I am starting to explore options now of what that looks like. And I do, um, I'm looking at all options and that's what I think a lot of you know, people, if I could advise to make sure you know what is out there and, I, and to not just assume it has to be, you know, VC um, equity raise, um, that there are a lot of kind of working capital, whether especially now so many have popped up of kind of these more creative, you know, either going to a bank and getting a loan or, um, you know, much more, um, some runoff your purchase orders. So, you know, if you're a wholesale business and you have to fund your purchase orders, um, but you know, it's net 60, so you don't get paid for 60 days until after you deliver. Um, there are, there are options to, to fund that. So kind of inventory funding, um, is one option and, uh, and then some, you know, that run directly off shop, even Shopify offers capital now and they just pull from your sales. So a little less, you know, um, ultimately you, have, you still have to know what you're running into, but a little less kind of risky if it's pulled out of, um, out of sales, if, if you're confident, you can cover that. So I'm in that process again, of kind of what, what is the next stage of JP growth look like and what are the resources we need to get there? because I think they're, they're great things and maintaining the ownership and control and being able to grow mindfully and in your own way when, when, as we do, you have such a a purpose-driven brand, Um, but there are limitations and, you know, to not have bigger budgets, to make bigger bets, you know, on, on marketing or on now, you know, the world's opening and, and events and, and some of the, the really, fun and and the fun uh, branded marketing exactly Mm. that you know it's just hard to justify when every dollar pulled out is you know affects the day-to-day running of the business so yes uh i will you know we'll see what what the right decision is this year but um but still three three almost three and a half years in and and self-funding it wow i love that for you though that's so cool it really fits like the mission of what you're trying to build. I'm excited to see what comes next for you on that front and, and the part three of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'll have to keep you posted. 
What's shifting the needle for you now in terms of marketing? You know, 2023, it's a very different landscape to 2020, 2021, even last year, really. So I'm wondering, like, are you, you know, what's working in terms of, is it TikTok? Is it PR? Is it ambassador programs? Is it Amazon? Is it mm-hmm. something else? What What's kind of your focus at the moment? Yeah, we just launched on Amazon. So um, we actually... So we were selected for Oprah's favorite things list. Um, so oh my course, god, that's so cool! <laughs> yeah, thank you. I love that for you. Big, big moment for us. Um, always, you know, such. Um, Do you get to meet Oprah? Honor to be included. No, unfortunately not. She doesn't. Dang I it. think when she still <laughs> had the show, I think um, you you got to meet her and go on the show, but. Uh, but now she's, you know, the magazine still has an incredible um, audience around it. But we, so, so you know, their, their preference is that you're also live on Amazon. So we kind of spun up quickly to go live on Amazon to participate in the list. And so now that we're there, we're like, all right, let's, you know, let's see uh, what we can do with this channel. So um, we're still fresh, but, but starting to grow on Amazon this year. And then, um, yeah, ours, you know, it's still, it still is really heavy on word of mouth, both on customers. So that's, you know, how do you incentivize your customers with ambassadors or kind of a loyalty program, maybe a loyalty program where, you know, they get, um, you can, you can accumulate points for sharing on social media and leaving reviews. And so programs like that loyalty and ambassadors I think can still be really powerful, um, you know, ads, Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, Pinterest, like there's, they're really, really, at least for us, very, um, hit or miss. So, so can be powerful, can also be very unpredictable. Um, so, you know, we're, we're experimenting with the creative, but, um, it's kind of a, a necessary evil, you know, to, to continue to just have a presence there, but not definitely not something we're putting, you know, all our, our eggs in the Facebook ad bucket. Um, PR, I would say definitely, you know, if you have a product, if there are solid hooks around, or, or if it's prime for gifting, then, you know, getting on hiring, um, agency or even a freelancer to just be pitching commerce editors to be getting on, you know, gift guides, product lists, roundups, all of these very commerce driven PR can be powerful and also kind of be, you know, it can convert on its own. And then kind of the other halo effect of it is adding a lot of link backs for your brand for SEO purposes. Um, and so that can be helpful too, um, to just start to you know, rise in, in the rankings and be more discoverable in search. So we're still continuing with that. And then, you know, our artists as well, since they, they are really the partners in this and they get a percentage of sales and so are incentivized to, to drive their own sales. Um, we do, you know, have kind of this built-in marketing force of the artists themselves who are doing, you know, have their own audiences and email lists and followers. Um, and I would say email, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it seems just like table stakes, but if you can be, you know, creative and constantly innovating and making sure you're, you know, you have strong flows and a welcome and, you know, browse abandoned, cart abandoned and all of the, make sure you're not leaving anything on the table um, and that you're really covering bases with email as well. Right. 
Absolutely. Just to circle back to the Oprah thing, how do you get on the radar of being on Oprah's favorite things list? Yeah, I, so it it started two years ago. I went to my first and only actually trade show. So if you're a very wholesale heavy business, then um, certainly trade shows can be powerful. You know, we've really, I did one, we've really focused, especially during COVID on the direct to consumer side of things. But I was at a trade show, you know, with a booth displaying Jiggy and um, a an editor from her magazine um, came up and, and had the chance to meet him and, and show, you know, touch and feel the product and explain what we were all about. So originally got on the radar a couple of years ago. They ended up kind of changing the, the focus of that list um, in that year. And so, you know, would just... Every once a quarter, every three months, follow up, follow up. Um, and then ultimately I kind of tag teamed. I would follow up with him. You know, my PR team would track down any other back channel they could find. Um, and then this year we we were put up for it again. Um, it was actually funny. We, you know, okay, you made it through this round. Okay, you made it through this round. And the final round was the photo shoot. And so it's not guaranteed, you know, they do the full photo shoot and then they, they do the layout and make final selections. So it wasn't guaranteed, but like, you're really close at that point. And so I got the email on like a Tuesday at 10 AM that, um, okay, we need your, we need your product. And the photo shoot is this Thursday, like in 48 hours in Portland, Oregon, across the country from where I was sitting in New York. And we need, you know, whatever, four of the puzzles in their packaging. And then we need a completed one framed to show how it looks, completed and framed. And I had none of that with me in New York. <laughs> so, you know, okay, our fulfillment center can send the ones in the packaging. You know, they can just send the samples. But how am I going to, you know, I can't, even if I overnight it to me, can I speed puzzle this in 24 hours, complete it, frame it and ship it back overnight? Like, is that <laughs> awesome? So um, I ended up, you know, taking to our community, which was incredible, but I posted on Instagram, like we have an insane opportunity. Has any customer who bought this puzzle and kept it and framed it, like DM me. And we had multiple customers who had it framed on oh. the wall and pulled oh. it down off their wall and bubble wrapped it up and sent it to Portland, Oregon for me. So oh my um, that was how we ended up pulling it off. Yeah. To make the photo shoot. <laughs> that is so cool. That means that their puzzle. It was their puzzle. On Oprah's favorite yep. list of things. Exactly. And their puzzle is like the, the, the trophy. Oh my God. That's so cool. I love that so much. Power of community. It was a very cool moment. Yeah. Total power of community. That is so cool. Before we jump into the six quick questions, my last question for you is what is just your key piece of advice for female founders in 2023 who want to grow their business? Mm. You know, we've, we've talked about community a lot. I would definitely kind of sit down and think about what that means to you and, and think about it a bit more kind of open-endedly or open-mindedly of what, you know, you pro- the first thing everyone thinks of is their customers, you know, okay, so you have your customer community, but what does that really mean? And what does that look like? Are you engaging with them in, in all the ways you can, activating them? 
Um, and then I think what are the other communities for us, you know, our artists and our brand partners and, and these collaborations um, and where is there opportunity to have that work for you a bit more? Um, so I think again, on kind of the, the long term, if you're not just quick win, you know, sell a product, but really want to go through the exercise of brand building and really creating something with lasting power, um, then understanding, you know, what differentiates you and what who your community is definitely be talking to them, surveying, um, you know, understanding um, who your, you know, your avid, your your one percent um, kind of hyper engaged people are, and what what they're attracted to your brand about, and really making sure that you're you're making the most of that and kind of not leaving opportunity on the table to have more of a community than just customers. I love that. That's a great reminder for everyone, (laughs) myself included. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash hype club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. <laughs> <laughs>